If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7. We're going to be looking at uh, courage with our brokenness. Uh, fear, fearlessly approaching God with, with our brokenness. And I, um, I was thinking through an illustration when I knew I was going to go in this direction with the message. And so um, this, uh, this weekend, um, I will use and maybe introduce to some of you Shimmer and Shine. Uh, so I don't know if you have a preschool child, but uh, Shimmer and Shine is a uh, cartoon that I really don't understand what all is going on. Um, but uh, um, this uh, in this box is a jigsaw puzzle. And, uh, and for me, I don't know if you had kids that were like this, but um, there, it was always, it is always competition in our home. Uh, I have a uh, competitive wife and uh, I'm pretty competitive and I've got two very competitive kids. And so this past summer, uh, jigsaw saw puzzles, for whatever reason, became super popular at the house. And it was a competition of who could put the jigsaw puzzle together and then who could do it the fastest. And so um, there would normally be tears involved with that um, and then someone screaming victory. And so uh, with uh, jigsaw puzzles, though, if you've ever, like if you are a collector or you um, are older and you do jigsaw puzzles uh, for uh, families that, that participate in this, um, the, the thing that are aids to you uh, would be the, the vis uh, visible picture of what it should look like on the front of the box, and then also that you have all the pieces on the inside of the box. And uh, when you think about our brokenness and you think about the fact that all of us in this room, um, including myself, we come to Christ broken, right? Um, and, uh, and the box was complete um, in uh, Genesis 1 and 2, um, but, but the box became removed because we removed ourselves from being able to hear um, from, from Christ without broken fellowship with him. And um, you, you think about this. So for us, if you have small preschoolers, you know that eventually this box just disappears. And so you're just left with puzzle pieces. Um, and in our brokenness as well, um, sometimes these puzzle pieces go missing. And then you just have random puzzle pieces scattered about your house underneath your um, underneath your pillows and your cushions in your couch and underneath your couch. And so you're left with an incomplete bag of, of puzzles. And you, you think about even people in this room, including myself. All of us in this room, we are um, just like these jigsaw puzzles in my hand. And man, we are, we are broken without Christ. Um, and in the fall, in our, in our lostness, there, there are aspects of who we are that, that are missing. So there's no way that we can be complete apart from Christ. Uh, when we get outside of the Word of God and, and stop um, being sensitive to the Spirit of God, we, we lose the picture of what we are to become. And so we find ourselves taking bits and pieces of the puzzle and trying to jam them together. And, and the question is today, um, for the people in this room, that, that maybe you, you realize that you're broken, you realize that you're in need, maybe even of the gospel to come to Him in salvation. And is, is today going to be the time that you fearlessly respond to Christ and you say, I'm not going to allow things to stand in the way of me responding to Christ. And many of us, including myself, we can find ourselves having a relationship with God, but we still have broken aspects of who we are that we've yet given to God and allowed him to fill. And the question is today, are you going to allow him to do that in you? Um, in, in Luke chapter 7, we see this, this woman, the, the title of it is called A Sinful Woman. Um, she finds out that Jesus comes into a community and she responds with boldness and with fearless actions. You know, the thing about 
fearless actions or courage. It's, it's not a rejection of the emotion of fear. Even um, you, you've got to think and you see in her responses in just a second as we walk through the text. Um, there is the emotion of fear, but courage is doing obedience despite the emotion that you feel and sense. And so today, in just in, in transparency of this room, what are you going to do with your personal brokenness before the Lord? And do you even see it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray today that you would give us transparency. I pray for these students and adults that have spent a weekend giving of themselves, their energy, and I know that they're tired today. Father, for all of us, this is Time Change Sunday, so I know for the body is, is weak and the flesh is weak. So I pray that you would give us the sensitivity of the Spirit to be able to hear your voice and what your word is trying to say to us. God, in this room, and including even in my own life, there are broken pieces that I have yet given to you. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would press on that, make us aware of it, Lord. And at the end of this message today, I pray that we would come in obedience, Lord, to the, to the Father that has created victory through Christ and given us completion through Christ. Lord, that we would bring those broken pieces to you, of who we are, and that the picture would be complete, not a picture of us, but that we are being renewed in the image of our creator, which is you, in the picture of Christ. So today I pray that your word go forth and that it would pierce the hearts and that people would hear in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and look at Luke chapter um, six or seven, starting in verse 36. Um, you, you've gotta think this uh, situation um, it, there are a lot of fears, and that's what we'll be looking at first, is the fears that this woman had to, to face in order for her to respond. And so here in verse 36, it says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life, I just kind of underlined that in my Bible, to, to think through the fact that her identity um, uh, that was that was given here was that her life was defined by sin. So this wasn't um, just uh, a casual sin. This was, this was a, a notorious sin. And, and it's crazy how we mark those things in, in our minds and in society where one sin's okay and the other is unacceptable. But, but here we find this woman uh, was known for her sinful life in the town. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and um, I got a better picture now after being in Africa of what this would look like, but in a community where um, there was extreme poverty and most people only have uh, a one-room uh, mud hut or, or shack, um, this woman went to her house when she found out that Jesus had arrived in the community. And you got to think, during this season, it was a season of extreme popularity for Jesus. And so the Pharisees, you, you know, uh, they, uh, even the chapter before, they, they couldn't stand the fact that his, uh, his fame was increasing. They, they rejected the message, the fact that he, he often ate and, and dined with sinners. And so he, he couldn't even understand that. They couldn't even understand that. And so this woman finds out that Jesus had arrived in the community. And so she runs to her house and she gets the most prized possession that she had. And she runs to the Pharisee's house. So the first fear that she had to face was, was um, the fear of cultural expectation. The fear of cultural expectation. Um, it was not uncommon for um, people to, to go when, when Jesus would dine with the Pharisees. Um, it would be 
often in an open air environment or in a, in a house with windows where people would come by and they could listen to the teaching and the discussions. But it would have been very rare and it would be improper for a woman to be in that environment to interject herself to interrupt what was going on, but definitely for the type of woman that was described in this passage. So the, the cultural expectation would be that she would be unwelcome to show up. But what did she do? She, man, she, she went and gathered what was, what was her possession and she ran to the Pharisee's house. Here are a couple of things that we face. Cultural expectation today tries to redefine what brokenness is. So for us in, in our society, it tries to, to rewrite what, what brokenness actually is. And Isaiah 5.20 says this. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and who call darkness light. You, you got to think, like, in, in our society, it, it's trying to redefine. We, we understand. We know brokenness. We, we see brokenness. We sense conviction. We look at the Word of God when the Word of God is our standard of truth, and it defines what brokenness looks like and what sin is. But, but in society today, is trying to remark that. Now, I would illustrate it in this point. When I was in 10th grade, uh, I played football. I know it might not look like that, but I played football at Lee County High School. And in 10th grade, um, one summer evening, we were having practice, and it just started raining. Y'all know those um, storms that just kind of roll through, lightning storms. If it was just rain, we would have been out there in it. Um, but the lightning was striking, and so our coach uh, set up the gym. Because you know coaches, they're not going to just say, oh, boys, y'all just go home. Um, so they set up the gym to be um, the, the workout facility. And so um, they had laid out the, the ropes course where you have to run through the ropes, and, uh, and it was like an agility course. And so um, I was running through the ropes, but I had a, um, a rather large lineman in front of me. And uh, his uh, feet weren't super agile, and so he was hitting the ropes. And if you've ever done that before, it just makes the ropes bounce like this. And I'm trying to make myself look good that this wasn't my fault. But um, the, the ropes were bouncing, and then all of a sudden, like, I, I hit the rope, and I just busted. And y'all know how embarrassing it is to, like, you got all of your friends, and you just plaster out on the, the basketball court. And so I, I hit the ground, and I immediately bounce back up, and I start doing the ropes. And then I get to the, to the end of it, and I feel this pain on my hand. And it's just like extreme pressure. And my, my buddy was uh, right next to me, looked down. His name's Eric, and he said, Garrett, <laughs> your thumb. And, uh, and I looked down, and this knuckle was up here. And, uh, and this portion of my thumb was pointing down. And I was like, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I just realized, you know, hey, this is not normal. And so, um, you know, I thought about fainting, but I realized the embarrassment that I just had. And so I, I held it together, and, uh, and I, you know, casually walked up my, to my coach and said, <laughs> and he said, let's go. And so we walk out of the room, but, but I, I just paused there, and I, I will finish the story. Um, what if someone came up to me and said, Gary, I, I think that's okay. I mean, I, I mean, it looks normal to me. You know, I would immediately think that they were crazy. But, but you think about in today's society, when we look at the Word of God and what wor the Word of God defines as brokenness, and then society tries to rewrite what brokenness is, uh, the expectation of it, and then you, you question like, okay, is, is what I'm seeing here as the, the, what, what should be the standard of truth defining brokenness to be, is that, is that really brokenness? Or, or, or what I'm looking at, is that, is that actually right? And, 
Guys, we, we wrestle with that and we go back and forth with that. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and you've been listening to other voices, but everything inside of you because of the Spirit of God inside of you and the Word of God that's in front of you says that what you are currently holding on to is brokenness. So I went outside. I'll finish the story because I know you'll think about it. And so um, I, was, I was thinking it was, you know, it, we're going to have to amputate it. <laughs> it looked look so bad. And my, uh, my coach just said, grabbed it like this and said, all right, Garrett, I, I just think it's dislocated. And I said, okay, you know, about to pass out. And he said, just relax your hand. And I thought that was impossible. This is impossible. And then all of a sudden he just touched the knuckle and it just popped back in place. And I, if you've ever had anything like that happen, it was a magical moment that I never wanted to happen ever again. And so, uh, so that's what happened. The, the other aspect of it is that when we face uh, these expectations is religious expectation. Religious expectation. Tries to tell us that we need to hide our brokenness and act if we have it all together. And guys, I, I, I see that in myself. I mean, do you see it and even sense it when you come up, come to church and, and that, that is religion. It's not relationship with God that, that we, we feel like we have to hide aspects of who we are because we, we have a sensation that we have to um, seem like we have it all together. This should be the place that broken people come to because everyone in this room is broken. And, and it should be the, the place where we can sh show and reflect transparency because this sinful woman, the place that she needed to be was in that Pharisee's house at the feet of Christ. But the place that she was unwelcome because of the religious leaders was in that location. And the question is for us and, and for myself, do people feel like they can come into this place and be transparent with their brokenness to come to Christ in their, for their healing? And are you currently trying to hide who you are because you feel like it'd be unwelcome? Here's the thing, God doesn't want you to stay where you are. And God wants to bring healing and he is the only one that can do that. The other fear that, that we face is this. Number two is she faced the fear of self-doubt and self-worth. You gotta think about what took place here in um, Luke 38. She walks into, she finds herself um, squeezing through people and she gets behind um, the Lord and it says this, she stood behind him at his feet and she, she wept. And so at this point, she is literally standing at the feet of Christ. So if this piece of paper was the feet of Christ, her, her tears were falling on the feet of Christ. She is currently standing. And she says, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. You've got to think in, in just a moment, I'll break down these elements, but this woman standing behind Jesus, understanding the, the sensation of the room was unwelcome, that, that she is not welcome there. She's there in front of all these religious leaders. What was just described was the fact that she was known to be a notorious sinner in that community. And she is just broken. She's weeping. And then she realizes that she is wetting the Savior's feet. And then she gets down on her hands and knees, pulls down her hair and begins to wipe his muddy feet with her hair. And then she pours what is most precious that she has on those feet, and begins to kiss them. And maybe you're here today and the thing that has prevented you from bringing your brokenness to Christ is a sense of, of rejection that you may, you may feel. You think, you know what, I, I, I cannot be transparent. I, I'm, I'm afraid of, of you know, this, this self-doubt and my self-worth. Well, the truth is this, none of us are worthy of the grace of Christ. 
None of us are worthy of the grace of Christ. That, that's what, what makes it so awesome. That's why the, when the band's up here singing, we can sing with praise songs to God is because all of us come into this place unworthy to be in his presence. This overwhelming sensation of emotion should be proper for all of us. The second fear is this. Um, she faced the fear of rejection. You got to think about what, what um, was taking place here in verse 39. It says, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they said to themselves, or he said to himself, if this man was really a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. I don't know if you ever felt the sensation of rejection, but it's not, it's not a good thing. The first time I really felt it, I, I remember it being back in fifth grade. Um, I'm sure it happened before then, but this was a time that marked me because of embarrassment. I was at a lunch table, and, uh, and it was one of those things where this girl had caught my eye, um, and uh, she looked nothing like my wife does. All right, so, uh, but uh, she had caught my eye, and I uh, thought, you know what? I, you know, and I don't promote any kind of dating in any form or fashion, so go ahead and settle that down. But um, in fifth grade, I was all about it. So, um, and I saw this girl, and we had started this little, you know, in fifth grade, what was it? But um, I thought she looked good. And so I wrote a note, and it was that little note of, you know, will you be my girlfriend, check yes or no. And I had all of my posse on my side of the table and hers on the other side. And at Lee County, uh, they still may have it, but they had red light, green light, um, red light, orange light, green light. And it, depending on the volume, they turn it to red and you had to be quiet. And so I was sitting there trying to, you know, look handsome and do my thing. And so I wrote it down and folded it up real neat and slid it across the table. And I was like, yeah, you know, we got this. And, uh, and then she talked to her friend, showed the note, and then I saw her mark it and then slid it back across the table. And I thought, oh, yeah. And I, I cracked open the note, and my friend Josh was looking over my shoulder, and it said no. And I said, <laughs> you know, and just <laughs> wadded it up, left out of the room, distraught, and my life was over with. You know, you got to think in, in this moment, this, this woman, uh, the sensation of rejection was, was piercing to her. I, and I don't know, I, again, if you're here today and, you, and the, you're holding on to this baggage, this, this sensation of brokenness, and you think that God is going to reject you, think about what God did for you. Think about the fact that you were born. Think about the fact that he sent his son to die on the cross. Think about the fact that he, he rose three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave. He has done everything for you and everything for me to have a relationship with him and bring wholeness, forgiveness, and grace into our lives. And you find the, the sensation and the thought of Christ and the, the chapters leading up to this or behind this. If we hold on to our brokenness, here are three things that happen. First is this, we become hardened and calloused to our brokenness. We become hardened and calloused to our brokenness. Um, it's, it's like any of us, if you have done manual labor, your hands become callous. First it's the, the blister that's sore, and then there's a callus that forms. Um, it's the same way with our, our sin. When, when the Holy Spirit comes in and he presses in on us and we sense the, the brokenness and our need to bring those things to God, the more we reject the Spirit of God in that capacity, it becomes hardened and callous. Number two is this, we become cynical towards the things of God. 
When, when we neglect to bring our brokenness to God, we become hardened, we become callous, but also we become cynical. And, and if you've lived life, you've seen this play out in people's lives where they at one point lived and pursued God, and then, and then they find something that, that um, attracts them away from God, and they fall into that and buy into that, and then they become very cynical people towards the things of God. Number three is this, they become self-destructive. They come, become self-destructive. They, they do things that are actually destroying who they are. And you see John 10.10 10 play out. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So what did this woman do when she fearfully brought or fearlessly brought her brokenness before the Lord? Look what happens. Look at Jesus' response to her. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And so, again, Jesus is, is speaking to the thought of this man. It wasn't anything that verbally came out of, of his mouth, but he sees your heart. And that should be a reminder for us today. God sees every person's lives. There is nothing that is hidden from him. He sees and he hears. He knows what you're walking through. He says, tell me, teacher. It says, two men owed money to a certain money lender. He says, one of them owed 50 denarii and the other, or sorry, 500 denarii and the other 50. Um, just pause there. Uh, this is just a reminder. All of us in this room are indebted to Christ, are indebted to the Lord. All of us are broken. And, and this awareness here, you can mark in your, in your Bible, it wasn't based on her sin and his sin. It was based on the awareness of their sin. You got to think about um, um, Paul. When you think about this, you say, well, he was very religious and probably had religious practices. Um, Paul was uh, the, the chief of all sinners, and he said that he was, he was you know, very righteous. And so you got to think in this room right now, and, and here he's saying both of these people had sin, had a debt. And look in verse 42, neither of them had money to pay him back. So he canceled the debt for both of them. Now, which of them loved him more, he asked. And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Number one is this. We realize that God is the only restorer of the brokenness of humanity. He is the only restorer of the brokenness of humanity. If you're here today and you've got issues and things and brokenness in your life, the only thing that is going to fill that brokenness in your heart and in my life is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that's going to be able to do that. You know, all, the rest of the time, all we're doing is taking two pieces of the puzzle and trying to shove it together and trying to make a whole picture out of something that, that will never be right. It will never look right. You know, here in Jesus, when he's saying this, he's speaking to, to Simon and he's saying, look at this woman and look at the condition this you're judging based on external, and he's saying, both of you have a debt that you cannot pay. It's crazy to see this play out in people's lives. People growing up in church, people going through the motions for decades and decades and decades. And then you see people come to faith maybe later on in life, and they, they are aware of their brokenness, and their worship and their devotion of God look distinctly different from those of us that practice religion for decades, decades, and decades. So in your current life, do you see 
what God has done for you. I want you to write this down. Gratitude and affection towards God is a natural response to the awareness of the graciousness of God. I'll say it again. Gratitude and affection towards God is a natural response of the awareness of the graciousness of God. The only thing that we bring to God is brokenness. That's it. None of us in this room, we, we don't bring a bunch of credited things to the Lord. We bring brokenness to him. Number two is this. Look what he says in verse 44. You, you think about this. All, all of this uh, interaction had taken place um, with the men reclining around the table. This woman stooped down behind Jesus. And so no one has turned their attention to him or her. And this is what it says. He says, then he turned towards the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I just want you to underline that. Those of you that know Christ, at this point, Simon and his pharisaical heart never looked at the woman. All he saw was the sin. And the question for us, do we see people in our community? Do we see people in the church as who they are? Human beings need of Christ or do we see their sinful actions? He says, do you see this woman? He says, I come into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet, or she has wet, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me kisses, but this woman, for the time I entered in, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. When you think about this, the woman's um, tears represented brokenness and honor. She, she came in and he came in and she got knelt before him and, and her tears started wetting her, his feet. And so that is a, a picture of the fact that when you would go and you would invite someone of honor into your house, you would always make sure you would either have a servant wash their feet because um, it was a sign of respect for who that person is. And in this situation, this scenario, this woman, her brokenness was a thing that brought honor to him, the recognition of who she was and who he was. Um, then also, when she uh, let down her hair, the hair was a sign of adornment or her beauty. Um, women that day in that society, they, they, didn't, they weren't high value um, and so um, their, their hair was a sign of adornment or beauty. And so she let down the thing that was precious about her and her identity, and she began to wash the muddy feet of Christ. So you got to think also the fact that she started kissing, which is a sign of, of affection and honor, that, that her love had been cast out on her. And then the pouring out of perfume was also all of her possessions. So number two is this, when we bring ourselves, our brokenness and our possessions to God, it's an act of true worship. It's an act of true worship. You know, I love Ken and when he does the invitation, he wants us to get fired up and, and he, he wants to make sure that you are happy with what you're doing. But when, when we bring ourselves to God, our affections, our possessions, um, our identities to the Lord, man, it, that is worship. Because what we're identifying is the most precious thing in our life is not what we have. The most precious thing in our life is who God is. And everything that we have is actually his. And we bring those things in a sensation of worship. Uh, just a side note, if you write this down, Mark 10, 
um, 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples because the disciples were not allowing little children to come into uh, to the house where he was. And he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like this little child will never enter into it. And the thing that he was speaking of when he was talking about like this little child was this, helpless and dependent. And the question for us today you think about the fact that Simon could not see who Christ actually was, but this woman that was broken and sinful could because she entered into the presence of God with those two distinctives. She was helpless in her condition, and she was dependent on who Christ was and what he could do for her. Lastly is this. Verse 47, it says, Therefore I tell you, hers." Her many sins have been forgiven. You got to think about that, that statement of Jesus when he is sitting here, no longer looking at, at Simon, no longer looking at the crowd around him, but his attention is on this woman. He says, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she has loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even says that there is forgiveness of sin? Who says that he can do this? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Number three is this. We realize that what God says about us is the only thing that matters. What God says about you and what God says about me is the only thing that matters because that's the only thing that's going to last through eternity. And how often do we sit in prison to what everyone else thinks and what everyone else says and how this world tries to define who we are? And what God says about you is the only thing that matters. You think about this scenario. Look what Vance Havner says. God uses broken things. He takes a broken soul and produces crops. He broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength, a broken alabaster box to give forth perfume. It was Peter weeping bitterly who returned to greater strength and power than ever. So here's a question I want you to write down. Actually, it's a statement. He uses broken things because that is all he has to work with. In this room today, there are people that are aware of their brokenness. There, there are those of you in this room that if uh, you know the issue that currently is in your life, maybe you know that you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe it's some circum circumstantial thing that you are currently walking through, or maybe it's a sin issue, a bondage in your life that, that you know you need to bring to the Lord. Or maybe it's those of us in this room, we, we are in depth in religion and you think about the notorious sinner that came into this house left heal, healed and left forgiven and left whole but the religious leaders in this house they left that place still broken it was because they didn't understand or realize their need for God and the fact that they were broken so the question today what are you going to do with your brokenness what are you going to do with your brokenness before the Lord 
Is this a, a haven where people can come in with transparency and respond to Christ in freedom because they understand, God, you're the only thing in this world that can bring restoration to my life. And we gladly celebrate it because we also know that we are broken as well and that their only hope is the same thing our only hope is in. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a second, the band's going to come forth and we're going to have a time of invitation. But maybe today you need to respond to Christ and the things that have always held you back was a sensation of fear of what people think. And maybe you are here and maybe you have um, you have been in services many, many times over and over and over again, but you have always set up that wall and that wall has always been th the thing that has prevented you from moving forward and following Christ in that capacity. Or maybe your issue isn't salvation. Maybe your issue is more brokenness in this world and you've been carrying this stuff around with you and you hear now that Christ is available to you and you need to bring that to the Lord. And so I'm going to pray for us. And I just encourage you today, respond to Christ. Respond to Christ. Father, we love you. God, you know what is in the heart of every person in this room. You know the situations. You know the circumstances. You know the sin. You know the brokenness. You know the attempts of this world to speak into that, to change it, to to manipulate in our minds what brokenness is, Lord. You know, those of us in this room are holding on to aspects of, of our brokenness, trying to fit them together. But Lord, we need to bring those things to you. I pray today that you would give us freedom. For those that need to respond to you in salvation, that as soon as this invitation begins, they would get out of their seats, not worried about the people around them and the fears that, that plague their heart, but they would respond to you because you're the only one that's gonna bring wholeness to their life. Those of us that are holding on to brokenness, Lord, I pray that as soon as the invitation begins that you would move in their hearts to come forward to the altar and lay those things down, those broken pieces down. Father, we love you. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do that is change and transform us. Father, bring hope to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen.